you turn in your Bibles with me, please, to the book of Acts in chapter 27. The book of Acts in chapter 27. It just so happened, actually, last night and, and tonight, this was, I did not intend in going in this direction, and people who know me well know that I absolutely love the book of Acts. Uh, it is just, uh, every time I read it, it just speaks to me. And those early days of the New Testament church and, and how God used those guys when they had almost nothing to work with. And, and, and listen, no veteran missionaries lived in those days. No. No pastors that knew anything about mission, missions lived in those days. And so everything they were trying was something new. Don't you know, don't you know, when Paul and Barnabas left Antioch of Syria to go out on that uh, first missionary journey, don't you know that there was somebody in the church that said, well, I'll tell you one thing, we ain't never done it that way before. You know he had to be there. The, the fellow shows up in every church I've ever been in. Well, they had not done it that way before, but it was the way God was directing then, wasn't it? And uh, what an amazing story it is as we see the church unfold and grow uh, through the book of Acts. But I want to center on one particular uh, story here uh, this evening. I'm just going to read one verse, uh, but it's going to cover a great deal more than that. Uh, Acts 27 verse 1, And when it was determined that we should sail uh, into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band. Now, uh, I mentioned this to you last night that Paul, of course, uh, finished that uh, third missionary journey and he made his way to, uh, uh, to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, they turned on him, as many had told him before, by the way. And, and, and they said that the Spirit had led them to tell him. And you know, Paul never doubted that. And I believe that God did tell them to tell Paul that it was going to be dangerous. But I still think he went to Jerusalem in the will of God. Because he had determined, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. And so he knew hardship was ahead of him. But hadn't he faced hardships everywhere he had gone? Stoned in Lystra? Uh, beaten in, in uh, uh, Philippi? Over and over again, he's facing these difficulties. And, and so, of course, he will be arrested. And, and then his nephew will tell him that some guys have, have covenanted together that they would not eat until he was dead. I just wonder how long that lasted. Amen? Because he's going to live several years. And so they're going to take him to uh, Caesarea where he will spend two years. He'll stand before Felix and Festus and Agrippa. Um, when he stands before Festus, he will appeal unto Caesar. Now there's no, there's no debating the matter. Agrippa did hear him, but there was nothing he could do because already he had appealed unto Caesar, and as a Roman citizen, he had to be brought before uh, the Caesar. And uh, so after two years then, we find him here in chapter 27, verse 1, and they're putting him on a ship to make way uh, to Rome. And he'll not go alone, by the way. If, if you read on down uh, in uh, the next verse, I believe, uh, Aristarchus and Luke will travel with him. 
Now more than likely, they had to travel as servants to Paul. That's pretty amazing to me. Luke was a physician. I don't know Aristarchus' position, but undoubtedly a man of good report. And yet they were willing to submit themselves to be servants to Paul so that they could travel with him and take care of him. Uh, David had somewhat the same heart. You remember in, in uh, 1 Chronicles 27, I believe that's next to the last chapter, uh, he approaches God and David says, can I build you a house? And, and God said, no, you can't. You've been a man of war, you've shed blood, you can't build me a house. Uh, well, he said, can Solomon, my son, who will be the next king, can he build you a house? And, and the Lord said, yes, he can build me a house. And David said, uh, okay, can I get the materials together? Hmm? When I was a boy playing marbles, we call that fudging. A few of you knew what I was making reference to there. Uh, you probably still have a pair of those old blue jeans you wore the knees out of them. And your mama ironed a patch over the hole, and you wore those out too, playing marbles. But here's what I like about David. Here's what I like about Aristarchus and Luke. They didn't mind playing second fiddle. They just wanted in the orchestra. God give us a generation of Christians like that. And we don't have to play uh, first fiddle. It's all right with us. Just, just let us do something. Just let us do a part, you see. And, and so Aristarchus and Luke are going to travel with him. They'll get to Fairhavens, remember. And, and uh, this is a stormy time of year. Uh, from the end of October, more maybe toward the middle of November, uh, until uh, maybe March or April, uh, the Mediterranean is, is rough seas, lots of storms. If you um, do anything with cruising, you know uh, that there's a certain time that most of the ships are in the Caribbean, and then there are transatlantic cruises that you can take and go to the Mediterranean. That's because of the stormy weather in one or the other hurricane season here, Stormy weather there, and so they moved the ships back and forth uh, to accommodate that. Paul had to deal with that as well. You, you'll hear him saying, I can't come and see you right now, but perhaps I can winter with you. And the reason that he would winter somewhere was because he couldn't travel by ship up and down the Mediterranean in those stormy times. And we're coming on that time now, in sometime probably in the first part of November. So he gets to this... Uh, uh, fair havens, and he, and he tells them, we, we better stay here, boys. Uh, it, it's going to be too dangerous to get out in the open water. And I would imagine somebody said, you're just a preacher. What do you know? Something magical happens. It doesn't matter how talented you are, what kind of abilities you have. Once you start preaching, all of a sudden, you're brain dead about everything else in the world. But that's okay. Oh, uh, you don't know anything. And, and by the way, th this port is, is not commodious. It's, I don't know what they meant by that. Did they mean, okay, the, it's open too much toward the sea and, and we could have problems from the storms? Or, or did they mean by that, there's not enough wine, women, and song here. We want to go to a better port. But whatever the case, when, when the south winds blew softly, they said, we're going. 
How many believers have shipwrecked because they mistook the soft winds that blew from the south for the will of God? And so they said, we're going. And so they hoisted the sails and brought up the anchors, went out to sea, and no sooner got out into the ocean until, until the storm came. And they're tossed to and fro. To and fro. Two weeks, they're not going to see the light of the sun. They're, they're struggling to survive. Finally, they're going to come behind a little island called Claudia, uh, Clauda, and they're going to frap the ship. They're going to put cables or cords around the ship to hold the, the planks together uh, in the storm, and, and, and then they're blown back out to sea again. They, they've thrown all of the unnecessary tackling overboard. They've thrown all of uh, the commodities that would, they would be delivering to Rome. They've thrown those overboard and, and they said, all hope was gone. They were just hoping for morning. Just let me live one more minute. Just let me live one more hour, one more day. And they were struggling to do everything that they could to live. <clears throat> no doubt thirsty, no doubt hungry. But who's going to be able to rest in this tempestuous sea? Could not. <coughs> so they said, all hope is gone. That's when Paul steps forward and says to the soldiers and to the sailors, cheer up. The boat's going to sink. If you don't believe it, read it. <coughs> he said, cheer up. The boat's going to sink. Actually, he was making reference to the fact that he had heard from God. Now, maybe they didn't listen to him in Fairhaven's. But he has their full attention now. He says, if you will listen to me, if you'll pay attention now, he said, though we're going to lose the ship, which was the only thing between them and death, <clears throat> we're going to lose the ship. But not one soul will be lost if you'll listen to me. 276 souls on board that ship. Well... It's going to push them toward northern Africa and then uh, back into the Mediterranean. And uh, <clears throat> they feel the need, at least someone feels the need, to see how deep the water is. And so they started sounding probably a heavy object, maybe a piece of lead or something on the end of a line, and they'd drop it over. And then when it would hit bottom, they would mark that, bring it up and measure it, and they would know how deep the water was. And as they continued to do that, they noticed it was getting more and more shallow. And so they determined that in the dark, we're not going to be able to see where we're going. We just know that we're approaching some kind of land somewhere. <clears throat> and so they decided to bring the ragged sails down, put four anchors off of the stern of the ship, and the Bible says, hope for morning. Well, now that they're there, a couple of fellows decided to take the lifeboat and save their own lives. Paul got wind of it. He said, if anybody gets off the ship, I can't guarantee the lives of anyone else. And these guys went up uh, with swords and cut the ropes and, and let the lifeboat drop off into the sea. They're believing him now, aren't they? <clears throat> well, uh, when morning came, they looked out and saw an island, probably Malta. They look out and saw an island, and they came up with this plan. This is, this is what we'll do now. There's a river coming out of uh, this island, 
and we're going to get the bow of this ship aimed toward that uh, river, and uh, then we're going to hoist what sails we have left, and then we're just going to cut the anchors loose and let the wind drive the ship into the shore. Now Paul said, hey, if, if you can swim, once it lodges, the stern of the ship is still going to be pushed back and forth by the winds. But he said, when it lodges in the sand, if you can swim, dive over and swim to shore. He says, if you can't swim, then take a plank to float on because there's going to be lots of those in just a few minutes. But when everything was settled, the ship destroyed. 276 souls stood safely on the shores of that island. Just as God had told Paul, it would happen. And might I remind you, just in passing, that as we ride the old ship of Zion through the tempestuous seas of this life, that one of these glad days we're going to cast anchor on the shores of our eternal home, and we're going to step off on streets of gold, and walk in the presence of God Almighty forever and ever and ever, and He will not lose one single one of us. We're all going to arrive as God has designed it. Now, as Paul spends this time through the storm, I think there are some things that he sees about God. But perhaps he had already known about God, but now... He knows it with an exclamation point. And I think we should understand these things as well. First of all, he understood now the power of God. Have we, have we thought, well, this is a difficult time for me and, and it's a hardship and, and only God can, can save me from it and if He doesn't, there is no hope for me? But do we not realize that the same God that can save us from the storm can save us in the storm? We don't have to be standing on the safe shores of the island for God to protect us and God to take care of us. Not one man on that ship could understand how are we going to lose the ship and still all of us are going to survive. And yet that's exactly what happened. God has the power to save us in the storm. He has the power to save us through the storm. He has the power to save us beyond the storm. They saw the power of God. Secondly, they saw the provision of God. Not the boat. That's not the way they're going to, they're going to be saved. They're going to be saved without the boat. <clears throat> Unbelievable. You're not going to sell this to anybody. It's just going to have to happen for them to believe it. But wait, 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 just, wait just a minute. We're doing everything that we can to salvage this boat because it is the only thing between us and drowning. What do you mean God's going to sink the boat? God was able to provide. And now they stand, they stand safely on the island. Thirdly, he saw the providence of God. Isn't this amazing? He's going to get off of this ship onto a land of heathens and pagans. Can't you imagine God looking down on this island and he's thinking, you know, I need to get a preacher over there. 
Oh, I've got one bobbing around in the ocean right over here. And for three months, Paul's going to have the opportunity to share the love of God and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And, and some of these people will get saved by God's grace. No. God knows your every step. He knows even the thoughts and the intents of your heart. God has never said, oops. No. Dr. Harold Seitler used to say, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? Hmm? Oh, no. You will have so many coincidences in your life as a Christian that after a while you say that must be providence. Think it's an accident you're here? No. But you see, God is not only working in our lives in the good times. Perhaps oftentimes He's working more in our lives in the difficult times. But we fail to yield. Hey, you know in the Scripture Paul will say uh, things like, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Right? Well, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. On a number of occasions, he will say something like that. Do you know Paul never in the Scripture says, I'm a prisoner of Rome? You say, well, he was. That's not the way he looked at it. Paul believed that he was where he was because it was the will of God for him to be there. So he wasn't a prisoner of Rome. He was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I'm afraid too often we moan and complain about our plight in life when we should stop and say, Lord, why do you have me here? What is it you want me to see through this? Is there someone I can help? I tell you, it makes the difficult time go much better if you can find someone else to help. You can, you can waste all the energy you want to on helping yourself, but generally it's not going to happen. It's God that's going to bring us through. Oh, this poor old world, if only they knew. Did you know that, that this is the only, this, this life on earth is the only heaven that the world's going to know? And the only hell you're going to know? Oh, my. When we sing these songs, I'm telling you, uh, it's hard for me to keep my foot still. I, I told you, somebody meet me with oxygen, I'd run. I, it, just, it just gets to... And then somebody asked Brother Roloff, Lester Roloff one time, said, Dr. Roloff, is it spiritual to pat your foot? He said, as long as the tune goes through your heart, it's all right for your foot to pat. I have just took it that that was gospel. Amen. Oh, yeah, don't want, to be, don't want to be still. He saw the providence of God. He not only saw the power and provision and providence, but he saw the protection of God, not only from the storm, but the snake, remember? He gets out and they, and they start gathering wood. And when Paul throws his sticks on the fire, uh, a snake comes out and latches onto his hand. And he shook it off into the fire and burned. And, and uh, those 
pagans and heathens, they said, God couldn't kill him in the storm, so he's going to kill him with a snake. And they sat down to watch him swell and fever and die. But he didn't swell. And he didn't fever. And he didn't die. So they said, he's God. You're living in a fickle world. Huh? Not only in the world, but in church too. There's a certain area in the country where uh, I preach in several churches and we travel to those churches, uh, not every year, but, but we're in a number of churches through almost every year in that particular area. And there is this family that, that uh, will we'll show up at, uh, at the meeting and, and they'll have testimonies and they'll, and they'll just cry, oh. We just love our church and we love our pastor and we're just so happy to be here. And uh, then we'll preach the meeting, we'll go on. A few months later, we come back to another church in that area and they'll be in that one. And they'll have testimony time and they'll say, oh, we just love our church, we just love our preacher. And I know of some of those churches, this is no exaggeration, I know some of those churches they have belonged to at least three times. Have mercy. You say, boy, what's wrong? Well, if I get in church and get my feelings hurt, what should I do? You'll sit still long enough to get the feeling better. Yeah. If you go somewhere else, you're going to make a mess over there because you're mad. Wait until you're happy to be here and then ask the Lord if it's okay to leave. Amen. Sure. I'm going to tell you something about human beings. You hang around long enough, they'll hurt you. And so will you. Oh, yes. Well, he hurt my feelings. But you, you will get over it. It might take a little time, but you will get over it. Amen? And probably the best thing you can do is go to that person and say, you hurt my feelings. Quit beating around the bush about it. Quit coming in different doors. Avoiding one another. No. If I know somebody's avoiding me, I'll find them. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to extend my hand. They might not shake it, but I'm going to extend it. I haven't had anybody refuse to yet. Yeah. God help us to grow up. Amen. Brother Sammy Allen used to preach a message out of Ephesians. What was it? Ephesians 4. Um, said when I was a child, I spake as a child. And the title of his message, he said, was put away the toys. Amen? He saw God's power and provision, providence and protection. Then finally, he saw God's promises. He says in the 27th chapter, 20, 25th verse, he says, even as he, speaking of the Lord, told me. The Lord's told you a lot. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house or many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will receive you into myself that where I am, there ye may be also. That's, that's a promise from God. Do you know of any promise God's ever broken? No. He's going to keep that one too. He's coming to get us. Oh, absolutely. Remember those boys on the uh, in Acts chapter one? The Lord ascended up into heaven. Remember, and they're standing there staring. 
in Bethlehem. His angels appeared to him and said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. In other words, <clears throat> didn't he tell you fellows this was going to happen? And didn't he tell you what to do when it did happen? Then get busy about it. And I say to you, did he not tell us that this day was coming? We looked at it just the other night. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, pride, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fears, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Didn't he tell us it was going to happen? And he also told us what to do. Go ye therefore. You say, well, it's just amazing. It is quite, quite amazing. We still have a job to do. The promises of God. Let me, let me ask you a question. Are you trusting in God or the boat? Do you by any chance, al alongside of the old ship of Zion, do you have a little lifeboat over there just in case this thing doesn't work out? Won't you cut that thing loose? It, it's just dragging down the ship. Cut it loose. You won't need it. The old ship of Zion's good enough. God is going to see us through. Amen. Listen to this. This is old. Uh, this is Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations. He says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Now notice this. Great is thy faithfulness. We, we talk a lot about what God has done in the past, don't we? I remember God did this. I remember God did that. And we'll look back in the scripture and find things God, and we'll talk about those great things. I tell you, that little old shepherd boy took a stone and killed a giant. Yeah, we'll talk about those, those things as though they are very real to us. And then we'll talk about things that are going to come in the future. Jesus is coming to get us. And we don't even blush to say it. Yeah. But, the Lord's going to defeat Satan and, and, and put him in the lake of fire forever and ever into the ages of the ages. And we don't even blink an eye. We, we, we just believe it. But you know, Jeremiah doesn't say God was faithful. He doesn't say God will be faithful. He says God is faithful. Now that's very important to us. I appreciate him being faithful to people in the past, and I appreciate the fact that he'll be faithful in the future, but I'm telling you, I need a faithful God right now. Right now, this day, this hour, I need a God that is faithful. And praise the Lord, we have one. God is faithful. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> thank you for bringing Paul and another 275 souls safely through the storm. 
Thank you for the many, many, many lessons that we can learn from it. Lord, make application to our lives today. Life is not always kind. Life is not always gentle. But it is life. And nothing that we face in this moment has ever taken you by surprise. And you have promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Give us great confidence. Give us great faith in all that you're capable of doing. If you could save us from our sins, your hand is not shortened to accomplish anything on our behalf. Encourage those that perhaps tonight have sad hearts, perhaps are grieved, perhaps are facing troubles and they have no idea how they're going to get through it. I pray that you would help them to see Paul in the sea and realize that with or without the ship, you're able. If there's someone here tonight that does not know you and the forgiveness of sin. I pray they would trust you and be saved before it's eternally too late. And Lord, for all that you do, we'll thank you and praise you for without you, we can do nothing. In Jesus' name. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com. Or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.